the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing to Yell with shot. Save made by Al Aguila. Rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, we are back at it on a Tuesday. It is July 4th. Happy Independence Day to our friends south of the border and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk with Vickers. I'm Steinberg on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. First show that uh, I've done with Vicks since we were at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. I've seen you since we've gotten back, but good to see you in front of a microphone not in Nashville and not hungover. It's good. uh, (laughs) What are you talking about, hungover? Not a chance, buddy. It feels like I got a little FOMO. I've been missing out on my Steinberg, even though we spent all that time in Nashville, spent all that time on the commute home, spent Saturday together, Sunday off, Monday off, and here we are Tuesday back at it, buddy. Uh, let's, uh, let's dive in, kick off this hour by taking stock of where the Flames sit right now with some of their roster decisions. It's going to kind of be the big topic until some of these roster decisions are made, quite honestly. So here's what we told you on Monday's program and the, uh, Flames talk that we uh, brought forward on the holiday Mm -hmm. Monday, um, They are working on doing things. I think right now the biggest thing that they're working on is moving Noah Hannafin and figuring out what that's going to look like, but not rushing moving Noah Hannafin and honestly not rushing any of these decisions they've got on their plates. Um, But the Hannafin one is the one that I think is most front of mind just because he's the one that they have the best idea in terms of the way this thing's going to play out. They know pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt that Noah does not intend to sign here next summer and he will happily and professionally and as a good teammate and good player play out his contract and and fulfill the final year of his deal but has informed him he's he's not looking to sign here after the deal has nothing to do with Calgary has nothing to do with the organization just as an American guy hitting free agency at the age he'll hit it uh he's looking to move back south of the border and and go down that direction but they're not rushing it but at the same time it's also because they're not rushing it and because it's such a important deal they have to make it's also holding them up or jamming them up a little bit when it comes to doing some other things, I believe. Uh, they're still waiting on Lindholm, as we know, with that big offer they have on the table for them. And just overall, they're going out of their way to be patient, which is really not all that different than when we were talking at Bridgestone Arena on Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, getting ready for the draft and knowing the Flames had made the Toffoli trade, but were really deliberately going out of their way to not rush things and pushback on anybody trying to take advantage of a rookie GM and all that type of stuff. I think they are ready to wait. I think they are ready to be overly patient if that's what it takes. And I think it's very deliberate in their approach right now. So that's kind of where I understand things are. That's kind of one of the big conversations we had on Monday's Flames Talk. Well, on Tuesday, brand new 32 Thoughts dropped with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. This was Elliot uh, when talking about where the Flames are. A little bit of new information in here on top of that, but uh, Elliot kind of hearing the same things right now. They made the deal with Toffoli, but the one thing I've heard since then is the Flames have talked about no rush. 
they're going to take their time here. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'll say they are prepared to take their time here. The Toffoli one they wanted to do, I think they like Sharon Govich. But the other ones, and I think they, like I said, I think that Colorado talked about them with Backlund, but it didn't happen. Now I think they're in a situation where they're saying, let's be patient. They're still winning on Lindholm. They know what Hannafin wants, but they're not in a rush to do it. Same with all their other players. Like, I think one of the interesting things here is, I think Toronto likes some of their defensemen, obviously. Yes. But do they want to deal with their former general manager? So there's always that kind of thing, right? So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see because I think Toronto likes some of their guys. So that is Elliot on the latest 32 Thoughts. It's available with Jeff Merrick wherever you get your podcasts right now. We'll talk about Backlund in a second, even talking about that part with the defenseman in Toronto in a second. Maybe a few other nuggets from last week in Nashville been trying to dig up. But as we talked about while we were at the draft, if the offers are underwhelming, which for the most part they have been or have not been to the level they believe they need to make some of these moves, there is no point in rushing things. That that remains the case. It was the case last week while they were at the draft where there's always that hotbed of speculation and that possibility of big moves. It's the exact same a week or so later as we're now 72 hours or so into, into unrestricted free agency. Like, they are purposely being patient they're ready to wait they're ready to uh, really be pragmatic and deliberate with this whole approach and the way they should be going about things quite honestly yeah I'm not going to disagree with you and if there isn't a team on the other side of the trade table that's urgently urgently asking you about Noah Hannafin saying we want to get this done we want to get this done we want to get this done you're better off just waiting and seeing if another team swings and misses at free agency or swings and misses at a trade that they're working on in another avenue. And then they can circle back to the Calgary flames and go, because you weren't urgent, we're going to step to the table because now it's time for us as an organization to get something done. And you're in a better spot. Hey, Pat, I want to buy your car. I'll give you a thousand bucks. No, it's probably worth a little more. Okay. Well, I'm in, I'm in no rush. So maybe we'll circle back. And then in a week I'll go, okay, how about 2,500? Well, if you're not urgent to sell it, and I'm not showing any urgency to buy it, what are we even talking about here? Yeah. So if Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames aren't getting the types of offers they want on Noah Hannafin, it's not as if Noah Hannafin's contract expires September 1, and then he just suddenly disappears off the roster. That's not the case. So if you're not getting adequate offers from your perspective on one of the two key pieces that you may or may not be moving out this summer Mm -hmm. for a return that you can go, we knocked it out of the park... Why rush? Why take $1,000 for your car? You don't. I think it's really important that they don't rush this thing. And and the fact that they are prepared to wait this into late August, and especially on the Hannafin front, Lindholm's a little bit different because you're kind of waiting on him to make a decision. Hannafin's already told you what's up. You're making, you're, you're waiting for Lindholm to tell you what's up. So there's, there's, it's a little bit different. I do think at some point you probably need behind closed doors to have a mm, internal deadline when it comes to Lindholm, but on the front of of Hannafin, like you don't, if you make the trade in July, if you make the trade in August, if you make the trade in early September, I don't think there's really all that much of a difference. I do think you do have a flashpoint of starting the season with him. I think you'd like to avoid starting the season with Hannafin if possible, unless unless the Flames are okay with if you're Craig Conroy trying to trade him early on in the year. And, you know, like, 
it worked out okay on the Arizona front with Chikrin. They went into a few seasons with him clearly wanting out in Arizona, and they didn't make the trade with Ottawa this past year until right before the trade deadline. But the difference was Chikrin was never on an expiring contract like Hannafin is. So I think the the hardest or closest to hard deadline they have would be starting the season. But that still gives them a couple of months here. Gives them all of July or July 4th. Gives them all of August to figure out the right deal with the right return for Noah Hannafin. So, yeah, and and yeah, it might be, or it might have delayed them or excluded them from getting in on unrestricted free agent conversations that they might have otherwise. But you know what? The Flames are prepared. This is more than just a one-year thing for Conroy. He's just starting his vision as the team. So if you're not going hard in unrestricted free agency in year one, that's okay. And I think the Flames are okay with waiting on Hannafin and not having not being in on big conversations as opposed to making a bad Hannafin trade or a bad trade with another player just so that you have a little more cap room to work with in free agency. I do think they're taking the right approach here. Well, even to that, not to divert this to a summer 2024, but I'd rather have infinite more cap space heading into next summer than going out and shopping on guys that maybe in the pool for my liking the unrestricted free agent pool this summer wasn't super overwhelming so i'd rather have all that money stored up for next summer that's beside the point now back to noah hannafin i'm even okay if you have to go into the season with him because to me and i don't know what he's like behind behind the scenes i know what he's like behind the scenes when we're in the room talking to him or just shooting yep having having a time just getting caught up He is not, from my perspective, a high-maintenance personality. To me, he's not a guy that's going to come into training camp and be like, well, I told him I'm not not re-signing here. Why am I still here? Blah, blah, blah. No, he'll be be a good teammate. He'll be a good asset for the coach. So I think that, yeah. None of these guys are, you know, it got, I think it got a little, I didn't want to use the word acrimonious, but I think it got a little... It didn't end the way that everybody wanted on the Toffoli front. I think there were some... Right. I think Toffoli was a little bothered with the way things went because uh, didn't necessarily get the term he was looking for. And perhaps, as Elliot's reported, the fact they were prioritizing Lindholm and Hannafin, I, I think that might have rubbed him the wrong way. And and even what we heard from Toffoli in his introductory availability as a devil, he kind of got that feel. But Hannafin's not saying... I don't want to be here. This organization is garbage. Trade me now. No, no, it's not that. It's, hey, I'm doing you a solid. Craig, I've, I, I, this has been a great spot for me. My career has flourished here. I've loved being a flame, but I'm an unrestricted free agent in less than 365 days. I've got this opportunity to go elsewhere, and, and I'm probably not going to re-sign here. I'd like to explore what my options are in unrestricted free agency. You can't begrudge a guy for that the same way Noah won't begrudge the Flames if they trade him tomorrow or if they trade him next month or if they trade him you know, anywhere in between. And so... If I don't think they should, and I really think they should go out of their way to avoid this if they can, but if that happens and Hannafin comes to camp or starts the season, dude's going to be a good pro. I I, I know yep. that for yep. a fact. Same with Backlund, same, same with, with Zadorov or Tanever, Lindholm or whomever. But you know, on the Hannafin front, yeah, there's no there's no ill will or bad blood. It's been all very professional and above board the entire way here. Yeah, and that affords Craig Conroy the option to be patient in that sense, where, to your point, yeah, would you prefer to probably have a deal done well before training camp so your team can be your team and you build that 
through September into the start of the season in October, for sure. You'd like that for all your players. Sometimes that doesn't necessarily happen. Your best case scenario would be somebody blows your socks off with an offer tomorrow, but very rarely do we deal in best case scenarios in life and in sport. So if Craig Conroy and the executive of the Calgary Flames have to be patient in order to maximize what they feel is the best return, so be it, and that's the way it's going to unfold. Um, so that's kind of where things sit right now. That nugget from Elliot on Michael Backlund is interesting. Uh, talked about how there were talks potentially with the Flames in Colorado involving Backlund. Now, I, I had heard while we were there that there were some things percolating, and maybe after he had won the King Clancy, congratulations again to Michael. That was such a cool thing to be a part of. Um, but that there were maybe some things percolating and some conversations being had involving Michael, but I couldn't pinpoint a team. So Elliot reports Colorado, which you know is bang on, and and so looked into that after hearing that couple people around the league. I think the Ryan Johansson deal they made really scuttled anything yeah. uh, on the backland front. For, a, for I, I just first of all, that's similar type of player, two way guy. Uh, the contract's a little bit larger. He's a little bit younger. Johansson is, uh, but I think that 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 scuttled things a little bit when the and and I think the price also. Nashville was looking to clear out salary. The Flames aren't looking to clear out salary with Michael Backlund. This ain't a salary dump. This is a move where they're trying to make the the best move for themselves. Whereas on the Johansson front, Nashville was trying to move out that six million dollars that was still left on his deal, and um, and and they ate some of the salary. And there's another year left on it. So I think that the price that Colorado paid, they gave up Galchenyuk, and that's it. And the price that Colorado paid. They were they they laid leaned that way perhaps as opposed to Backland is kind of what the read is out there around the league. So yeah, Elliot reports that Colorado and Backland were close, and I think once that Johansson deal got made, it kind of scuttled any opportunity the Flames had in in potentially consummating something with the Avalanche. Yeah, that, that sounds sense. that sounds about right considering the Colorado Avalanche have as it stands right now a projected cap space of minus two hundred thousand. So even if the Flames were um, willing and able, which they are able, but willing to retain on Michael Backlund, they could do that to facilitate facilitate a trade. Mm-hmm. But the Colorado Avalanche are right up against it. So once you got your one player that you thought could be your number two A, two B kind of uh, middleman in the lineup, and kind of eliminated the need to a certain degree for Michael Backlund. So I can understand the perspective of the Colorado Avalanche yeah. on that front. Um, so that's kind of the the situation on that front, the Avalanche and. Uh, um, the Predators came together on that deal, and so nothing could happen on the Backlund front necessarily. And just to interject there, yeah. Michael Backlund's the same situation as these other guys, as we mentioned. Michael Backlund, I imagine, has no issue going into the season being a member of the Calgary Flames, being the longest tenor- tenured member of the Calgary Flames, being part of that leadership group. He's not going to throw a fit or a pout on or what have you because something wasn't done before September 15th. Yep. Uh, okay, so that's the backland front. Um, I'm also, I, I also pretty sure the Flames are trying to make something happen on the goaltending front, uh, which you can understand. They've got these three goaltending, uh, goaltenders rather, so the goaltending situation remains very fluid and interesting. However, at this point, and we'll get into this a little bit more in the other hour of Tuesday's Flames talk, but you take a look at the goalies that were signed in unrestricted free agency, you wonder if the Flames will be able to make a trade because a lot of teams that you could pinpoint as saying they might have a goaltending need, whether it be Markstrom or Vladar, 
not a lot of those teams have those openings anymore. So there could be a very good chance the Flames go into next season with all three goaltenders looking for NHL playing time. That doesn't mean it'll be the entire year, but I think there's a decent chance, fairly strong chance that happens. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about goaltending a little bit later on and uh, in the other hour of Flames talk on this Tuesday. But yeah, I think they were they were knocking on doors and, and I think they were trying to get something done goaltending-wise at the draft, but nothing ended up coming to fruition, obviously. And Jacob Markstrom, Dan Vladar, Dustin Wolf all remain on the Flames roster here on July 4th. So now this is where the being patient thing comes into play and maybe we can open up a debate about whether it's the right or wrong move for certain players because I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all, but it's almost like a game of musical chairs. And if you're looking to move out a goalie to free up cap space to free up a roster spot for Dustin Wolf, and you don't have that done by the time free agency opens, suddenly you're looking around for your partner and the music stops and you don't have a chair, which I mixed up two dance analogies in one there with the uh, game versus that, because you don't necessarily have a partner in musical chairs, but the fact of the matter remains, music stops, this team signed this free agent, this team signed that free agent, and maybe your pool of three or four trade partners has now shrunk. Yeah. A uh, couple of texts at 960-960. I guess the um, the overall takeaway would be, and has been for a few weeks now, but again, the, the one thing that I think you're hearing from people around the league, from people with the Flames, is nothing's being rushed. Conroy said that a million times, it feels like, publicly. And so, yeah, what you're hearing right now from around the league, from anybody you talk yeah. to with the organization, they're just not rushing anything. I think that's good news. I think that's the way they need to go about things. I think being pragmatic, I think being deliberate and not getting yourself in a bad spot and hitting your targets when it comes to what you're looking for in every one of these trades. So if you are adamant that you do need to trade Backland or you're adamant that you trade, you need to trade Hannafin or if Lindholm tells you, yeah, thank you for the contract offer. Very generous. I'm going to be looking elsewhere at the end of my contract as well. Same thing. You have got to set your targets, hit your targets. And if you're not getting those targets met in trade offers, you have to continue waiting, right? I mean, absolutely. There's only so much you can do in a trade negotiation as a general manager. If the GM you're sitting across the table from doesn't give you something that you feel you can responsibly do in your position as an executive, one of 32 general managers in the league. So again, if I'm coming to you and I'm saying, okay, Pat, well, now I'm up to five grand on your car. You're still going to be like, you know what? No, I know what my car is worth. I know what the market value of my car is. I'm not going to give it to you for pennies on the dollar. It's exactly the approach Craig Conroy needs to take. The trade market isn't quite there, but you know for a fact that this should be the value of the player. And I wonder if Pierre-Luc Dubois, again, we can go back to that a little bit, set somewhat part of the market because we can debate the ages versus production versus the, the that. Player, yeah, that so that's stuff. an open debate, but what's not up for debate is the return that Dubois got. So if you're Craig Conroy and you feel you should be getting a similar return, you can't just make a move to make a move without getting your full value. A few uh, texts come in. Uh, this says at 960-960, injury risk. And yeah, that's another part of going into a season with guys that you're looking to trade that you haven't dealt in the off season. Here's uh, here's your Sherlock Holmes uh, or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson moment of the day. You have a better chance of staying healthy in the off season than once you're playing. That's just you, you a higher risk of injury once the game starts. So that's uh, I just think that that's a really important piece of scientific information I needed to bring you. Um, this says 
How can you bring any of these guys to camp? You push hard to get it done. How can you gel as a team when you know guys aren't there long-term? No way you sit tight. That comes from Kelly. I think in some cases, sure. I think there's more of that with Lindholm and Hannafin as opposed to if you brought Tanev to camp on the final year of his contract, and this is not a shot at you at all, Kelly. This is just, and that's why when I say this, I'm not trying to be sarcastic to, to you. It's just they would not be the first guys to come into a training camp with expiring contracts. It happens every year, and it's not a big deal. Tanev's a veteran defenseman. If he comes into camp on an expiring contract, he'll still be a good player for him, and he'll either be dealt at the deadline or walk away in free agency, if that's the case, or dealt sometime before before the deadline, right? Like, different applications for different players, I believe. Well, and I wonder if I'm interpreting something slightly different in that text and the fact that why, as a player, if I'm player X entering the final year of my contract where I've said I've, I'm not going to sign here long term, the implication is that I'm not e- either going to be a good teammate or I'm not going to care about the new guy that comes in the room because I'm not going to be around long enough to get to know him, to talk about him. I would push back against that narrative simply because if you're not already all in, regardless of your contract status, that's going to trickle down to your on-ice performance. At the end of the day, it's just going to cost you money in free agency. Uh, more food for thought. Elias Lindholm's dragging his feet on making a decision. Do you not think that's going to lead to a bit of resentment from fans and teammates? Maybe fans, um, but teammates, for the most part, I think these guys, there is no resentment with Johnny. There is no resentment with Matthew. Um, I think that They did get booed. By fans, I'm talking about teammates. Okay, teammates. teammates. Okay. I don't think that they were booing Matthew <laughs> on the bench. I don't know for sure. Well, Matthew's Florida teammates were booing Matthew, Matthew in the morning practice, skate just yeah. to get him used to it. Um, but, like, players know this is a business now, and they understand they're independent contractors. Uh, just want to, before we uh, bring in Ray Edwards, the Calgary Flames Director of Player Development, set things up for Development Camp, which starts later on this week here in Calgary. I did want to play you this other part of Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts, talking about the Flames. And, and listen, this I think this is really good news. I think this is really positive and encouraging information from Elliot on 32 Thoughts when talking about Jonathan Huberto. Give this a listen. One of the things I heard like when Huberto was in Florida he was a big arranger like are all the players getting together um, what's everybody doing tonight and that didn't happen as much last season because he was obviously in shock and he's on a new team like I've heard he's one of the guys calling the draft picks you know making some of the newcomers feel welcome and I've heard the flames have taken that as a very good sign that he's you know, he's getting over the shock and he's getting back to his own personality. I think that's very important to, you know, being successful is being comfortable in your own skin and being who you are. So I think the Flames take that as, as a very good sign for where this is going next year. I mean, obviously, I think they'd love to see one of their young kids, whether it be Pelche or Coronado, step forward and step in as well. But I, I know they're really hoping that Huberto bounces back and, there's some optimism that the fact that he seems to be uh, back to being like the the party planner, a bit, for lack of a better term, that he's getting back to himself. So that, very encouraging, because the Flames, maybe the most important thing that happens this season is Jonathan Huberdeau is a better player. That Jonathan Huberdeau is a whole lot closer to the point-per-game guy that they expected him to be. Again, 115 points, that's maybe a little lofty, but... He needs to be close to a point per game for for him to be an effective player. And then you throw in the contract on top of it. But even contract aside, this past year was a disaster. 
but he needs to be in the 75 to 90 point range. Like that's got to be almost non-negotiable for the Flames to have a measurable amount of success this year. So that's encouraging that it sounds like mentally he's starting to get a little bit more on board. And more so, maybe on board's the wrong term, but mentally a whole lot more like himself, getting over the shock and being stunned by the move and and adjusting to a new team. Um, So that's important. They need him to be more comfortable. They need him to be more of a leader on this team. And you know the one thing that 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 nugget from Elliott got me thinking about? Why not throw... Huberto's here for eight years. He's the highest paid player on the team. Why not throw him into the conversation for captain? Because if Backlund's not going to be here long term, well, there's your obvious veteran guy to go down that road with. And I think Mackenzie Weger or Rasmus Anderson or some of the other names that have been thrown out there are good as well. But why not Huberdo? If if he was that type of leader in Florida and he's starting to get back to that now, and they need him to feel like this is his team and he's got ownership of the team. Slap the C on the guy, or at the very least, have the conversation about slapping the C on the guy. I think it's very much worth having the conversation with, with all your leaders, to be perfectly honest, once you roll through. And Huberto is very clearly going to be that key guy for the Calgary Flames. So in listening to what Elliot said there, I interpret a little bit that when he got here last summer, he was still shocked over the trade, shocked over the circumstance not expecting to be moved, was expecting to talk contract with the Florida Panthers. So when he got here, this is the first time he's been in a new dressing room, new surroundings in what, over a decade. So naturally, I think if you're to walk into a new workplace, you're going to defer to the guys that have already been there. And if somebody already has the role of party planner, or even if somebody doesn't, and you just don't have the relationships with those players just yet, chances are you're going to defer a little bit. And it sounds more like he's integrating himself into the fabric of the team more this summer, which speaks to, yeah, it didn't go really great last year. 55 points in 79 games. Well, there's also a big transition going on. This is the time to establish Backlund, maybe Lindholm, Hannafin. Those are three old guard players with the Flames. Like, now would be the time to start establishing yourself as a leader and a larger voice there, too. And even just for me, I'm going to just move that one over there for a quick sec. He very clearly wasn't comfortable when he got to Calgary. And again, it's all those extenuating circumstances. It's uprooting uh, from the home you've had for a decade. It's meeting new teammates. It's not knowing the route to the rink. It's not knowing where to go for like, sounds like excuses, but it's, it's very much a culture shock for Jonathan Huberto. And now I wonder how the feeling good off the ice translates to feeling yeah. good on the ice because 55 points in 79 games just very clearly isn't good enough. And for me, if he can get back up to that 80-point range, bring in some of that leadership that you talked about, that's absolutely key for him in the Flames. This hour underway, we are coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. 
anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour continues on a Tuesday as the Flames open 2023 development camp on Thursday. In fact, it actually starts with physicals and everything on Wednesday, but Thursday is the first on-ice session for everybody. Today, the Flames on this Tuesday uh, announced their roster, 38 players going to development camp, 21 floor, uh, 21 forwards. Uh, see if I can do the rest of the math for you. 21 forwards, 12 defensemen, five goaltenders, part of the 38-player roster for the Calgary Flames at development camp this year, including three members of the 2023 draft class. And uh, very much uh, with his hands all over development camp each and every year is the Flames Director of Player Development, Ray Edwards, who joins us right now to help set things up for development camp 2023. Mr. Edwards, good to talk to you, pal. How are you doing? What's going on, Pat? Good to be here. Yeah, busy time. You uh, when'd you get into town? I came right after the draft. Okay, so you went right. You went right from Nashville. Yeah, that was a that was a that wasn't an easy uh, (laughs) way to get home. Let's just say that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's, it's not an easy place to get to. If you're, I think two times a week it's easy to get to, and the rest of the time it is not. Yeah, no, that was a late night, but we're here and we're ready to go, so exciting time. What? Uh, just give me the, the feel. What is the excitement level for development camp this year? Well, yeah, there's there's a million things to chat about. I think, the you know, obviously getting our group together and getting our hands on them and testing them and you know the ice. The ice portion is is fun, but really it's it's sort of getting to know these kids and getting to spend time with them again. I mean, I was lucky enough to get over and spend time with Topi and William last year in Europe, but a lot of our people haven't been able to do that. So it's good for them to to get to know these kids. Obviously, the new group that we just we just drafted. We've got three of those kids coming in, so we're excited about that. I think we've got a really interesting crop of free agents that our scouts have done a really good job of identifying, and it gives us a good chance to, you know, take a look at those those guys. And they're, and as you know, that those that's a free look at, at players, and we've had some success doing that over the years um, with different players. So that's an exciting piece. And then, you know, we've got uh, Arseny Sergeev here for the first time. That's exciting to kind of see the whites of his eyes and get Jordan and his crew uh, time on the ice with him. So lots of good things to chat about. Um, so yeah, we excited to get going here tomorrow, physicals and fitness testing. So every, all the players now in town, right? Like everybody has arrived. Everybody's on the ground. I believe everybody is on the ground. Yeah. I think Nikolaev was due to land at four o'clock. So we'll have a, you know, we'll have a short uh, orientation meeting tonight, Pat and a little dinner. And then, yeah, we get going tomorrow with putting the kids through the paces a little bit in terms of, of fitness testing, which is always interesting to see. And it, what that does is it really gives us a good, um, you know, base to move forward in terms of the rest of their summer. And then we've got data on some of these kids for two or three years. So it's interesting to see sort of how it's progressed over the two or three years. And uh, so tomorrow is a big day for us. I always, I always find it interesting to talk to you around this time because look, the on ice part, I'm, it's, it's not unimportant. It absolutely is important, but just as much or more of, of this development camp is, you know, what happens off the ice and, and, you know, kind of teaching players about the Calgary Flames, way the Flames do their business, some of the, the central parts of the organization processes. Can you just give us a feel as to what's so important away from the ice? What's going on behind closed doors with these players? 
Well, I think the the biggest thing is really for them to get to know us and us to get to know them. And even even the players that have, you know, been, were here last year, the year before that, if you remember, was the development Zoom uh, camp, which, you know, was no fun for anybody, but it, it was what it was, and we and we did it. But last year we got some of these guys here this year, again, getting some of those guys back, but then getting players here that haven't been here um, in terms of just, you know, them getting to know us, us getting to know them. There's, you know, as you know, Pat, we do different seminars. We have a nutrition seminar. We have um, a social media and sort of security seminar. Um, we have uh, our mental performance coach, Matt Brown, uh, does a seminar for the guys. We have a really interesting, uh, fun um, guest speaker. Our keynote speaker is Jeremiah Brown, uh, Olympic bronze medalist, uh, with a really neat story um, that we're, we're really excited for our kids to hear. Um, obviously, Craig will, will address the group. Brian Huska will address the group. Uh, there is the on-ice piece where we're really focusing more on skill development and getting Danielle uh, Fujita out with our players. So uh, that part has changed a little bit. Uh, we're not doing the scrimmage this year. We're going to do a three-on-three tournament. So that's a little bit different. So we have changed it up a little. We are, we're really excited about taking the kids to BAMP for a hike and a dinner up top of the mountain, which I think they'll just... That'll be a heck of an experience yeah. for some of those kids. So we've got lots going on. It's a busy four or five days. Uh, lots of information for them to, you know, for us to share and for them to gather. And then, and then, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a quick four or five days. And then most of those kids will take off, and we'll we have a couple couple of our own kids sticking around for some additional stuff. But that uh, the the main part of the camp is. Uh, and Saturday afternoon. We're chatting with Ray Edwards. He's the Calgary Flames Director of Player Development, setting up 2023 Development Camp with us here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers with us as well, Vic. Ray, you mentioned all the off-ice activities and the seminars you've got lined up for some of these kids. Is there one in particular that you look at to gauge their reaction, whether there's something, I don't know, funny that pops up or just the general wide-eyedness? Some of these kids are coming in at you know 17 and 18 years old. Yeah. Hey, first of all, hi, Aaron. I never, I didn't know you were on, but uh, I'm sneaky that way. He is sneaky well. that way. Yeah, you're sneaky, eh? Um, you know the one thing, and and, and we're, we've been lucky. We've had Jamie McLennan here since I've been doing this, and and Jamie does an excellent social media sort of awareness and sort of what's happening today with the social media. Sort of, you know, there's different things, different hurdles that you've got to be aware of, and Jamie does an excellent job with video and. You know, th- that that particular seminar for me, I always love to sit in because, you know, he, he's really good in terms of like, you know, there's been times and guys have done certain things and he'll bring that up and ask how that worked out for them and, and uh, just show <laughs> some different examples of, of how over the years different players have maybe done the right thing or the wrong thing. And yeah. again, Peter and Kelt and those guys do a great job of, of supporting noodles with uh, different different situations that are really important to to let our kids be aware of. So that that's one that stands out. Um, I'm really excited to listen to Jeremiah Brown speak this year. It's a great story. Um, obviously, anytime you know your GM and your head coach can have some time with them, I always love to hear that message. And the the one really good thing that we do with these kids is obviously we test them, and then before they leave here, they get a really good in depth sort of send away action plan from our strength and conditioning people. So not only do our kids get that, but our free agent kids get that. So the one thing that we sell to all the kids that we invite is when you leave here, you're going to have a real good understanding of where your body's at. 
and where it needs to be and how to get there over the next couple months. I'd just like to personally thank you to, for not inviting media to participate in that fitness testing portion. It is the middle, well, the beginning of <laughs> July, and I don't think I'm going to be ready for September well, either. Think, you know, just that's a heck of an idea. Maybe that's something you nope. look at in the future. Maybe mix you guys in with them. And I've always you know, thought, like, we'll, I've always we'll, thought it would be you know, a what good... What we can do is we can put the... <laughs> We could put the testing results on Twitter for you. Well, yeah, I've always thought that it would be like a good, it would be a good uh, Flames TV video to take parts or, or grab me and like put us through the, make, make us do that VO2 max and nope. see how, uh, see how long it takes for us to puke. Like I, that, that, that I think would make for interesting video. Well, I, that, I can tell you without a doubt, and most of the coaches and most of the management guys that have been through this before, we can tell you without a doubt that we do not miss that stuff. <laughs> Fair enough. Ray, you talked about the uh, off-ice component. You mentioned the on-ice. You're switching to a three-on-three. Just overall, what's happening on the ice this week, and what do you focus on as a group with so many different players coming from so many different leagues? Well, we've got five goaltenders here, so Jordan and his, and his crew will have a specific sort of plan for them. So, And they'll do some stuff, you know, before sort of the main session starts. Obviously, Danielle is a big part of our development team, and so she's going to get, you know, some real good time. You know, one of the things with Danielle is, you know, she's got three new players that she, you know, hasn't seen yet, so she'll get some time with them initially. Yep. And then obviously, you know, we haven't we haven't got our hands on a lot of these kids yet, so... Uh, it's important for her to sort of get that, you know, that base down, that that initial meeting, and then she can start to formulate a plan for them. Um, and then the on ice piece, a lot of it is skill development. So we have a we have a shooting coach coming out by the name of Dean Seymour. He'll put them through some different things and just go through sort of the details and the, you know, the nuances of shooting and shooting different shots and passing and receiving those types of things. And then we're going to do we're focusing on sort of a defense slash forward split where you're working on different skill sets, whether it's creating offense or puck protection or, you know, retrievals for defensemen or walking that offensive blue line. So it's really, you know, more focused towards specific skill development than it is, you know, running drills and line rushes and, you know, more structure stuff. It's, it's really focused on the skill development side. You mentioned Jordan Sigalette, and you actually mentioned Arseny Sergeyev getting to, getting to see him up close, but do you just leave the, the goalie group with Siggy and his team and, and just, Stay away from them. Pat and I are both of the same mind. Goalies are voodoo. We don't understand them. We don't know what's going on with them. So I imagine probably best to leave them in the hands of the goaltending crew. 100%. And I don't know many coaches that don't do that. <laughs> These guys are special. Siggy and Barbs and, and McKenzie are special people. They they know this position inside and out. And I I would never <laughs> try to stick my two cents in there. At the end of the day, these guys know what they're doing. So we, yeah, we leave that to Jordan and his group. And and uh, I'm excited to see some of these guys. Jordan does a, they do a heck of a job of identifying young goaltenders. So we've got some good guys coming in that I'm excited to see and work with. And uh, yeah, we'll leave most of that stuff to them. Yeah, they're I, the experts. Even talking to uh, Todd Button in Nashville, same thing. He's like, you know, we've got our players, and you know, we got our rankings. Oh, and then Jordan's got his 200 goalies, and we, it's like, it's like, you know what? You, you do the goalies, we trust you, and we'll we'll take care of the rest. Hey. Well, I'll tell you guys, like, if it was up to Jordan, we'd have had 10 goalies here. So just, <laughs> he, he he does his job. He does it very well. He's very thorough. He knows them very well, and and uh, does a great job at what he does.
Ray Edwards is with us, Flames Director of Player Development, Flames Development Camp starting this week at Winsport. Uh, so who's, uh, right right now, no American League coach. Uh, usually the, the AHL head coach would be very uh, very involved with the group on the ice. So who is who will be the coaches? Who's going to be on the ice with the group, Ray? Well, hey, you guys know we've got a great group, obviously, with our development team. Uh, Marty Jelena is going to is going to oversee all the on ice stuff. Obviously, okay. we've we've gone through it through it together. They're going to sit down uh, tomorrow as a staff. Uh, Joe uh, Joe and and Don will be part of that as well. We also have uh, some guest coaches that will be out there, um, and Rebecca Johnson will be out there. We have our skills coach Darren Romadal, who you might see at times out there. Um, I'll probably be in the background a little bit more this year with okay. handling logistics. Handling logistics, but we've got a great crew. Crew, and obviously Marty and I have worked together for a long time. So, real happy that Marty can step up and and lead that group for us. And you, you talk about it, whether it's it's Darren or or Danielle. You've mentioned Danielle a lot while talking here. I mean that that group behind the scenes, like in season, we we don't see a lot of what you're doing. But uh, your your development crew, just give us a little bit more of a feel as to whether it's it's Danielle Fajito or Darren Romerdahl or Rebecca Johnston or Marty Jelena. Like what what is your what is your development crew doing throughout the season, and how does it all kind of culminate in this development camp? You know what, guys? I'm so glad you asked because we don't. You know, those guys do not get enough recognition. They they are working tirelessly behind the scenes, and it's not just that group. It's it's Rick Davis and his tra- training staff, Gord, and uh, not only him, but we have a return to play medical uh, people. Kent and his group, Scott Sear, sort of heads that up for us. Um, Matt Brown is the mental performance uh, coach, and you know Matt's always in contact with these prospects. So. You know, if you start listing all the people, it, it ends up being nine, ten people that are part of this process of trying to bring these prospects along. And so, you know, my job is to manage it, and it's no different than having a, you know, if I'm the coach in the American League, I have my staff, and we have our players, and we work together, and we do weekly Zoom calls to sort of oversee it, and you know, we're we're doing different uh, Zoom calls with the players on a regular basis, depending on what we're dealing with on the ice, off the ice, those types of things. But that whole staff is, you know, imperative in terms of how these kids develop and the relationships we build with them. And I couldn't be luckier than to have the group that I have working with me. How excited are you? I know that uh, not everybody from the 2023 draft class will be taking part this year, but uh, three of the 2023 draftees will be. Uh, just uh, your, your excitement level to get to know them a little bit more. Yeah, it is. It's tough because uh, Axel Hertig has just finished, uh, you know, I think he's five weeks post-op with a shoulder um, situation. So we didn't feel comfortable flying him over just because that that shoulder needs to be mobilized. Um, Adar Suniev, unfortunately, we're dealing with some immigration and visa issues. So Adar won't be able to join us, at least at the start. We're hoping potentially maybe sometime through or at another time we could get Adar in here for to get our hands on him a little bit. Um, but we're really excited uh, in the goaltender, Igor Igorov, has uh, already sort of started up with his team in the KHL, so he wasn't able to come. But uh, really excited to get to know Sam, uh, really excited to get to know Jaden and Jaden. So those are, uh, those guys will be uh, it'll be fun to get sort of dig in with those guys a little bit. Um, so real, real, you know, we're excited about that draft class. That's mm-hmm. a, 
there's some size, there's some skill, there's some there's some ability there. So we'll we'll start to map out their development plans uh, post development camp and and start digging in with those guys. And then and then for the group, the, you know, there's a big group that we put development plans together, and we've already done that for a number of these guys. And so what we can do then post sort of fitness testing is take a look at those results and then give them an action plan for the rest of the summer. No, uh, no Jeremy Poirier on the ice for this camp, right? Correct. Jeremy, uh, actually, Jeremy's been kind of dealing with uh, lower body injury for a couple of years now. And to his credit, got through the year last year. Um, we were dealing with this, this particular injury when he was in St. John's. And again, to his credit, he's been playing through it. He's battling through it. And uh, we got it repaired uh, right after the season. So he is, He'll be on the shelf, but he's here. He's going to be around the group, mm-hmm. sort of participating in all the, the off-ice stuff. And it, again, it gives our medical people a really good chance to get their hands on him and see where he is in his rehab phase and uh, give us a good update on where he's at. Last uh, last area I wanted to touch on with you, Ray, and that is with the tryout players. Good number of players come into this camp, like every year, on a tryout basis who are not officially affiliated with the organization. Um, I guess, first of all, What's important for them? Like, what what do they have to do to catch your eye as a development staff and, and management and so on and so forth? And I guess at the same time, how important is it for them not to be thinking about catching your eye? I'm just curious as to what the, the best piece of advice or the best approach for some of these tryout players is. Well, again, I think it, it goes back to, you know, you trust the people that brought those players in here. So our scouting staff has done a great job of identifying, you know, what players we may want to bring in here. And then it's up to our management team to work with the agents to get them in here. And we sell them on our program and how we do things and, you know, why they should be coming to our development camp. And I think our message to them tonight when we meet with them will be, this is about them getting to know us just as much as it is about us getting to know them because they're free agents. And, you know, they have the ability to go wherever they want. And uh, we want to sell them on, how we do things and the, you know, the professionalism that we have and how we treat them. And, you know, I think the, the dinners out and the trip to Banff and getting to actually, you know, see Craig Conroy and see Ryan Huskett tonight, those are all big things. And um, the on ice piece, Hey, it's nice to see them and, and watch them. But we understand that in July, these kids aren't going to be what they look like in two months from now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think the big part for us is the testing. We want to see where they're at and where their bodies are at because, you know, there are some of these kids that we will look at to potentially bring to Penticton in September. So there's a little carrot there for some of these players. They all can't come, but there will be a few that we we do bring. And, you know, that that testing piece, you know, getting to know them and, and understand, you know, what they're all about is really important. And they're, you know, as you know, we've, from development camp, we found a few players. And so Absolutely. I think that's the hope for some of these yeah for some of these young players. And, and uh, so this next four or five days will be a big start to that. And a, a unique opportunity for Cole Hawkins. I know that he wasn't signed at the deadline a number of weeks ago, but uh, is coming to development camp, which, which means organizations still see something there. Hey, I'm really glad you brought Cole up because, you know, it was a you know tough, tough couple of years for some of our prospects in the, in terms of, you know, COVID was part of it. So a lot of these guys lost a year and they lost a year of development. Cole was one of those guys. So, you know, 
you know, you only have two years with these guys. And so it's, 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 it's an, you know, sort of NHL, NHL deal or nothing. And we just felt like there was still a lot of things with Cole that we liked. Um, and, and so the idea for us was if he got through the draft and the, his representatives thought it was a, a good idea, then we would potentially look at bringing him back. And so I'm really glad that we're able to get Cole back. I think there's a player there. There's, there's a lot of ability, there's size, there's toughness. So we thought it was a good idea to bring Cole back and give him another opportunity to kind of go through this process with us, and we'll see where it goes. Ready for a busy? Uh, you ready for a busy week here? I sure am, and uh, it's exciting to see these kids. We'll, we'll see them all tonight at the, our first meeting and dinner, and then we'll get cracking tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you down at Windsport, Ray. Appreciate the time. Uh, should be a lot of fun to see some of these guys on the ice for a lot of fans, for a lot of us. First opportunity to see them with our own two eyes on the ice and looking forward to it, looking forward to getting to chat to some of the players as well. See you around at Windsport, pal. Good to chat with you as always, Ray. Yeah, you too as well. Uh, we'll see you, see you over the week, I'm sure. 100%. Ray Edwards is the Director of Player Development for the Calgary Flames as he joins us here on Flames Talk. Development camp starts on the ice on Thursday. They'll do their fitness testing on Wednesday. I also believe some goaltenders will be on the ice Wednesday as well. But everybody on the ice for the first time on Thursday. Look, this is not... I remember, you know, every management group, and every coaching staff, they all have their different philosophies for development camp and training camp. And I remember, you know, some, I, I go back to the uh, Jay Feaster days and development camp looked a whole lot different than when Brad True Living took over. Brad True Living's first few development camps looked a whole lot different than his last number of development camps. Craig Conroy just kind of getting his feet wet as general manager. So I bet the development camp format will change this year already. Some changes that three on three tournament yeah. should be a lot of fun. Um, so I just, it's, it's fun. It's an opportunity to see some of the... Look, Matt Coronado will be there. Uh, Sam Honzek will be there. Those are the last two first-round picks for the Calgary Flames. A lot of people wondering, like, where's Connor Zary? Where's Jacob Pelche? Where's uh, Dustin Wolf? If you're a full-time American leaguer, like all three of those guys are, or in Pelche's case, he's looking to be a full-time NHLer. They're not they're not eligible for development camp anymore. Basically, once you, regardless of your age, once you have crested being a pro for a couple of seasons, they take you out of the development camp conversation. Poirier's just finished his rookie year, so he's maybe a little bit different, but Zeri's got a couple of years. Pelche's got a couple of years. Wolf has got a couple of years. And some interesting information there. On the Huckins front, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And the Poirier front was really interesting. Did not know it's that he had been playing through that for as long as he had. Pretty incredible to be an AHL uh, all-rookie team member while dealing with injury that's bothered you for multiple seasons. So it'll be curious to see if it was something that was nagging that maybe didn't necessarily affect him uh, 100% just something that needed to be addressed and taken care of, or if there's another level that you know he can get to and, and he'll continue to grow as a young player again, just a rookie yeah. moving forward. But you wonder what a healthy Jeremy Poirier looks like. Yeah. Well, a pretty darn good rookie yeah. season to, to his credit. Uh, thanks to Ray Edwards. Uh, Flames Development Camp at Windsport starts this week. First on ice session is Thursday. I believe 9.30 a.m. is the first time they will hit the ice on Thursday morning at Windsport. And Ray Edwards, the Director of Player Development, joined us to wrap up this hour on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248. 3344.